Welcome to the Red Rain Podcast. Here is your host from SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds, Walter Mitchell. Thank you, Kyle. Little Rock Ledbetter. Welcome back, Cardinal fans, to another episode of the Red Rain Podcast. It's great to have you here. Today, I want to talk about um, what I consider the very annoying way in which um, the Cardinals owner and the GM coddles divas. Um, it's been a pattern and a troubling pattern. I want to document it and discuss it and would love to hear your thoughts about it. Um, it's one of the reasons why in Arizona, I think it's hard for teams to win championships because I get the overwhelming sense that um, Arizona fans put their superstars on high pedestals and in doing so not hold them to the kind of standards that all athletes um, and professionals need to be held to. Um, you know, there's sort of compromising, you know, excuses made for um, how um, well, whenever these superstars um, fall short of expectations and um, and in particularly in light of decorum issues of, of that create double standards for their teams and everything. Now, the Suns are kind of an exception because Booker is an exemplar. I mean, he is a baller deluxe and you know, Chris Paul is a consummate pro, but I, I mean, he fell off his pe pedestal in the playoffs and, you know, um, that was unfortunate, but you know, at his age and the length of an NBA season, it, you know, at some point it's going to catch up and, you know, but Chris Paul is, is outstanding. But, but the thing is, is that um, when you put, players on such high pedestals all they can do is fall i mean um it's pretty hard to have them consistently live up to that kind of um status but also it's it's kind of um you know there's a way in which superstars can be coddled in that way and enabled um if you don't hold them to standards uh, of of you know that typically um they should be held to uh like i'm living here in in uh, fox near foxborough mass uh, five minutes from gillette stadium i mean i've talked about this a lot and it's you know i know it's annoying to some people to keep hearing about bill belichick and tom brady and but there are certain things that they do that in my mind are you know are major reasons why they've won so many rings and championships is that, you know, on the Patriots divas are there. They don't have divas. Now someone will say Tom Brady's a diva. No, he's not a diva. Tom Brady makes ultimate sacrifices for the team, not only in how he prepares um, so diligently for each game, but for how he rallies his troops Yes, he can be petulant on the sidelines at times, but in a way, that's a good thing because he's, you know, he's so competitive and fiery. Um, 
but also the sacrifices that he makes um, in trying to build a championship team around him by not wanting to get his big, huge bag, um, which is going to take up enough room in the salary cap to prevent signing other quality players. Um, and that's been a huge thing. I mean, to this day, and I keep pointing this out, no quarterback making more than $26.5 million, $26. million on the cap, um, counting on the cap, has won a Super Bowl. And, you know, Brady is a huge part of that reason. Um, and um, it's one of the reasons why I think that, that I strongly believe there's going to be a strong pushback about these, you know, $50 million quarterback contracts even though salary caps are rising, I think that, you know, still it's going to be challenging for teams to put the components around these quarterbacks. And now you're paying wide receivers $30 million a year. I mean, I don't know how you're going to do it and still be able to field a championship quality team. So, I mean, there's going to be some pushback there um, eventually, particularly if none of these uh, – 45 to 50 million dollar a year quarterbacks are winning Super Bowls. Um, and uh, a reminder is that Tom Brady this year counts 11.2 million against the Bucks cap, which has enabled them to re reload and restock what they essentially have as an all star team um, on both sides of the ball. So, but sacrifices are important in this, and and you know, and growing up. You know, not growing up, but I grew up in Connecticut. But but living here in Massachusetts um, and watching what the Patriots do is has been a real eye opener because of how they handle um, situations where you know um, crises pop up and and you know I got to tell you, I mean, I'm surrounded by Patriots fans. They Bostonians know how to hold their superstars to high standards. I mean, Tom Brady was not, you know, so revered and lionized that he was beyond reproach. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. Uh, the fans really sort of held Tom, you know, close to the fire and, uh, and had, still do have high expectations, but also um, hold him to, um, standards of performance and decorum that, uh, that quite frankly, um, the best of the best hold themselves to. And um, that's why they're so good. Uh, and they're always trying to grow and learn with the game and keep rolling with the game. So, um, but, you know, with in Arizona, I mean, it's just... You know, you look at, you go back to Patrick Peterson um, and how that whole situation was handled. I mean, a classic difference is, you know, when, when, whenever Bill Belichick is asked about a player who's not there because of a suspension or, you know, or for some disciplinary reason, um, Belichick won't talk about the player. He said, I'm only going to talk about the players who are here who we're coaching right now. Um, whereas on the flip side, 
with the Cardinals. What did you get from Steve Kahn about Patrick Peters? I'm going to go pick him up at midnight. The second he becomes available, um, you know, wow, what a difference. What a stark difference. Um, and look at the ways in which, you know, I mean, not only the Tyron Matthews situation blew up in the Cardinals' face, um, the David Johnson situation blew up. They caved into David Johnson. I mean, did we see shades of a David Johnson who had earned that contract or who we thought might have earned that contract once he got his bag? We did not. Did we see it from the Honey Badger? We did not. Um, and for reasons I think that are systemic and for reasons why, you know, I think that, that uh, the star players here feel like they can do whatever they want and not be held to the highest of standards. And when the Cardinals suddenly try to ask for a pay cut or something like that, they get pissed off and, you know, take to the media, social media. Um, and, uh, you know, you've, we've seen it. I mean, with the scrubbings of social medias in all three cases that we've seen recently between Patrick Peterson, between uh, Chandler Jones, and now with Kyler Murray. You know, it was issues about money, issues about the organization. Um, and in all three cases, you can make it a case that it was a sign that they just assumed get out of Arizona. Um, Patrick Peterson had requested a trade previously. Um, and then he had the unmitigating gall to grab the mic at the Waste Management golf tournament on the on su that Super Bowl weekend and assure the Cardinal fans of his allegiance to the Cardinals, and, you know, and and, uh, and and an apology for asking for a trade that lasted about you know he got the standing O he wanted, and then of course. A couple weeks later, we find out he's suspended for six games for a ped violation and a cover-up. It's just unbelievable. And then the way in which the Cardinals handled it was, you know, highly questionable. I mean, yes, they were they held Peterson to the standard of when you're suspended, you don't get paid. And Peterson had that you know, um, fit on social media, the, co the Cardinals wouldn't pay him during his suspension. Um, and man, I mean, the goal of just doing that. And then, but that coupled with the rhetoric that came out from Bidwell and Kime about Patrick Peterson, still one of the elite cornerbacks in the NFL. And, you know, he, he, there's no one quite like him. And, you know, we're going to go pick him up at midnight. And, you know, when he gets back, it's going to be, you know, grand. And look what happened when he got back. Um, and look what happened for the rest of, you know, they held him hostage on his last year of the contract with no guaranteed money left. He was hoping for a big uh, contract extension. They made him play it out. They passed on a first-round draft pick um, bailout, total bailout. Uh, first round draft pick and Nelson Aguilar from the Eagles passed on that to keep him hostage that next year. That next year, he commits more penalties than anyone in the NFL. Um, he's a sh you know shadow of his old self. I mean, it just goes to prove that when players start flirting with wanting to get out, 
um, and having one foot out the door and one foot in, this is what you can expect. And then, you know, the fallout of him leaving, you know, and how upset he was that he didn't get an offer and signed with the Vikings and, you know, and the things that he said about the organization since. I mean, I, I don't even know now if, you know, they'll probably cave and keep him, in, you know, put him in the Cardinals ring of ring of honor anyway. But this has been acrimonious with him um, from the get go and for years and. It's not going away soon. I mean, the Cardinals play the Vikings. And this week, Peterson was saying the guy he wants to intercept most is Kyler. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a bee in his bonnet. And, um, you know, it's just an ongoing sort of saga uh, with Peterson now. And you look at uh, Chandler Jones. I mean, you know, again... You're holding the guy hostage. He, you're not going to offer him the extension he wants. So he asked for a trade, which he's denied. We're not trading you. Um, then, you know, he starts off like a gangbusters with a five-sack performance. But then down the stretch when you need him most, you know, um, this past season, he was ineffective. And, you know, conversely... Look at what Aaron Donald and um, Von Miller were accomplishing for the L.A. Rams, who won the Super Bowl. You need your star pass rushers to show up at the biggest times under the under the brightest lights. It did not happen with with Chandler Jones, and now he's, you know, he left the building with a parting shot of, you know, I want to go play for a defensive coordinator who will maximize my talents. Um, so blaming it some on Vance Joseph and the Cardinals, you know, so, and you ask yourself, why are the Cardinals holding players hostage like this and playing it out for compensatory picks? I mean, for Patrick Peterson, the Cardinals got a six rounder for Chandler Jones. They're going to get a fifth rounder. I mean, you know, that's the reason to hold on to them for an extra year when, you know, they're unhappy because the only thing that makes some players happy is guaranteed money. And if the guaranteed money is run out like it has with Kyler Murray in a way, sort of, because he's got actually 5.5 guaranteed this year and 34 or 29.5 on uh, the fifth year option. So he's got like 35 guaranteed right now. I mean, that no matter what he's going to get. Um, so, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the Jones, you know, it's bad PR going out with him saying that about the team. And then, you know, it just creates more problems than what it's worth. And, you know, with the Patriots, they don't, they don't do it. They don't conduct their business that way. Um, they know when it's time to move a veteran who just as soon go somewhere else to get a new paycheck. Um, they know it better than anyone. And, you know, I know that they take the risk of disappointing the fans, but the fans in New England now understand it. They're well-educated. They get it. Because they also have some faith that the players that they'll bring in with the money they're saving on that player 
um, will pick up the slack and keep them competitive year in and year out and, and in the hunt for um, the Lombardi. So, um, so there's a confidence there that comes with it, even though there's, you know, fans are going to get attached. I mean, when Chandler Jones was traded, um, you know, there were some fans that were really upset about that. They didn't want to see him go. Although it was at a time when he had that unfortunate episode with synthetic marijuana um, and wound up at the police department, um, uh, sort of disoriented, and, uh, shirtless, and, um, you know, that whole thing. I think that was more of an anomaly than anything else, but it just was poor timing. And with the f prospect of having to pay either Chandler or Hightower, um, they decided to stick around, stick with Hightower and trade Chandler. But then here's the next thing that the Cardinals do that's really wrong. And I think it's, I th you know, I think it, it's going to anger the football gods when you do stuff like this is the way they gloat over these trades they make. Um, you know, the public gloating of like, oh, wow, we sandbagged the Texans. We got, you know, um, yeah, and it was an amazing trade. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, everyone's like shaking their heads. Really? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and them taking David Johnson's contract and just a second rounder. And, you know, you're just like, wow, amazing. But the way they flaunted that, the way they flaunted the Chandler Jones trade and tried to, you know, shove it in Belichick's face. Um, you know, even, even then, I mean, the backlash of that was – Chandler Jones's first game with the Cardinals was a month was the game one um, Sunday night football game against the Patriots uh, or was it Monday and I was just, it was the game one opener where Brady was suspended for deflate gate and Jimmy Garoppolo was starting and that know, was a and Sunday night football game Sunday night yeah um, yeah so it's week one of the NFL and um, so, and build as a potential Super Bowl matchup and, you know, cause the Cardinals were coming off a, a birth in the NFC championship and had a lot of their players back and, you know, and then look at what happened in that game. Um, the Patriots emerged victorious with Jimmy G. Um, the Cardinals had some glitches personnel wise, starting, uh, Brandon Williams at cornerback opposite Patrick Peterson, which was unfortunate. And then having a undrafted rookie free agent snapper who snapped a wobbly snap back with the game on the line and missing the field goal. And Bruce Arian said later that that game took out, took the wind out of that whole team and that it caused what wound up to be a, um, seven, eight and one season. Um, not good, and then but but Belichick got his revenge in a way for all the gloating of the of the uh, Chandler Jones trade. Was that when asked after the game um, how great it was to win without Tom Brady um, against a Super Bowl contender, uh, Belichick said, "Well, at least they think they are." Talking about the Cardinals, I mean, <laughs> I, 
I've never I, heard that before. That's absolutely incredible. That's so bad. Yeah. I wish I had heard that. That's a classic. That's a classic Belichick jab. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's great. I, I mean, but it was coming. I mean, this is what the Cardinals do. Is and even in this draft trade with Marquise Brown, what you know, Michael Bigwell showboats it. Goes out and flies Brown into a celebration. It was surreal. Um, you know, if you're a Ravens fan and you're watching this, you know, it's sort of in your face. And, um, you know, there's a modest way to make deals that you want to, what you want to try to do is, is say how it's good for both teams, you know, and, and give the other team credit too, because then maybe you can make a trade with them again. It's almost like the Cardinals burn their bridges by acting all smug and like, oh, look, we're the cat that stole the canary and look at us. And we got, here's a band, you know, a, a draft party to prove it with, you know, Marquise Brown, a special guest flown in. Um, you know, I, I know for some fans that seemed awfully exciting, but there's a hubris to this and a kind of, you know, a, an arrogance that, and a gall to this that championship teams tend not tend to avoid. Um, you know, in 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 Patriot land, you're um, you're fined by the organization if you mentioned the two words Super Bowl um, prior to being in the game. That's when you can say Super Bowl. Um, and I think that, that that is a really bright way of going about it. I mean, you know, Kyler's ransom, though, the agent said Kyler wants to win multiple Super Bowls with the, with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, I mean, if you go back to the night Josh Rosen was drafted, what was the first thing he said? He was going to, you know, prove everyone who passed him by wrong by winning multiple Super Bowls. I mean, we look back on that now. Is that a pretty wise thing to say for Josh? I don't think so. But, you know, I mean, what you say matters and how you comport yourself matters. And it's, you know, it's an absurdity to talk about winning Super Bowls um, when you're a rookie um, and have no idea what it takes. And um, even when some of the, grizzled veterans talk about it even it sometimes rings hollow um and unrealistic or chaotic chaotic you know don quixote um so but uh you know that's that's something that the cardinals could do a better job of of when they do make trades because maybe maybe that's part of the reason why they couldn't pull off a trade at the trading deadline Although now my theory is that um, Bidwell was too focused on buying that jet. Um, and, um, you know, it was unfortunate. I mean, the Rams picked up two huge pieces. The Cardinals had major needs at in the defensive interior and at cornerback. Um, and, at, you know, they could have used an extra wide receiver like the, like the Rams got with Odell. Um, but, man, um, nothing happened. Um, for two years in a row, nothing at the trading deadline. A, a trade like a month earlier, but that's not at the deadline when you really need it most. And maybe teams are, you know, are 
you know, kind of shy about trading with the Cardinals now for fear of, you know, hearing them gush about their piracies as, you know, ultimate traders, how they just stole, you know, a good player away. Um, I think that's something you need to reconsider as an organization, how you comport yourself when you make trades like this or make deals and how you treat your players and how you treat your, your star players. Um, because it all matters. I mean, one of the things that's been, you know, sticking in my craw for, for many years with Patrick Peterson was the reason why I said like three years into his tenure with the Cardinals, you know, they were not going to win anything of significance with him on the team is that the double standard he created is that I'm just going to do things that I want to do. And the rest of you will have to cover for me. Um, and you create a double standard like that, you know, like I no longer want, I'm the most talented punt returner on the plant in the planet, but I no longer, longer want to do it. I shouldn't have to do it. Um, did Neon Dion ever say that? And Neon Dion wasn't as solid, you know, as, as thick and muscular, and, you know, um, you know, dynamic and athlete as as Patrick Peterson coming out of LSU. I mean, um, De Neon Dion was slight, had a slight build and, and quick feet, and uh, but a nose for um, turning, returning kickoffs and punts. He never stopped. Um, and I always loved that part of his game where, you know, he could showcase that talent. But when Peterson refused to do it, even though his coaches kept asking him to do it and putting him back there, but it was obvious that he, his heart wasn't in it. Same as it was obvious that his heart was only in shadowing his own, you know, his man and not having to do the kind of tackling that defenders are asked to do in the NFL. Um, and the effort, that lack of effort that he put in in trying to do that was almost comical at times. The way he let wide receivers just sort of block him out of bounds, push him out. Um, he wouldn't try to get off blocks. Um, but when you have star players who aren't making the sacrifices it takes to win as a team, then you've created a rift and a double standard. And I, I felt like all along, it's one of the reasons why Honey Badger stopped playing hard for the Cardinals. See, like, hey, if Pat P can play in a tuxedo, why can't I? Why shouldn't I? Why should I cover for his butt, you know, making tackles um, all the time? I remember this one game we were playing the Vikings, and nobody was, came out tackling that game except Matthew, who took on Adrian Peterson man to man like three times in a row and and managed to get Peterson down. And that's how much of a baller Honey Badger was. But then by the third one, he was like, you know, shaking off his stinger and looking around at him like, hey, guys, what am I, the only guy who wants to tackle this dude? Um, I remember the expression on his face, and I couldn't blame him, you know. Um, but when you play on a, with a band of brothers, everybody's in on this. And uh, that's something where the Cardinals are trying to get better. They're trying to get more physical. They're trying to get stronger veteran leadership. And I think that's really commendable. I think that's what they really need to do. But, you know, 
I mean, how they handled the Chandler Jones situation is backfired on him. That did not um, turn out uh, well um, for PR, uh, for the team, too. I mean, too, it's, then it's like an LOL joke session every year when, you know, two years ago, Michael Bidwell says, oh, we'd love to re-sign Pat Peterson. Oh, we love Pat. Um, he's still a great corner. And, yeah, oh, yeah. And then, of course, Pat Peterson reports that he never got a phone call. And then this past year, when asked, doing his one little bit with the media, Michael Bidwell was asked, what about Chandler Jones? Oh, we love Chandler. Oh, we, we'd love to have him back. We're going to try to re-sign him. In fact, I'm going to hand that over to Steve right now. I mean, LOL. I mean, that's exactly what, what uh, Chandler Jones tweeted out the moment Bidwell said that. LOL. Because he knew. He wasn't getting, a, you know, handed over to Steve Kine. <clears throat> and that, too, is an curious dynamic because I think that Michael Bidwell likes to play the good cop, bad cop thing with, like, he's the good cop and Steve Kime's the bad cop. When I I can assure you, no contract that's signed with the Cardinals isn't, isn't approved by Michael Bidwell. Um, and I think dictated, this offseason was dictated by Michael Bidwell who decided coming in and he wasn't going to spend on outside free agents. Um, he had a, a figure that he wasn't going to go above. I think he, he mentioned it on one of the flight plans, like a $10 million. I think it was a, a knee-jerk reaction to the Jordan Phillips fallout. Um, you know, they got, you know, take, you know, Phillips took the Cardinals for a ride. Um, and some some of the guys they've they've brought in like Terrell Suggs, I mean it's been ugly. They've taken the Cardinals for a ride, and you know, but when you have a you know um, a, a system of treating players or a pattern of treating players um, and rolling out red carpets for players that then don't make the kind of sacrifices and smart decisions you need from your star players, this is what happens. The whole thing can fall like a, a house of cards, you know, so. But, um, and now we're on the eve. I mean, oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm reading this from Kyle Odegaard. A Kyler Murray contract extension pro projection from PFF. Six years, $280 million, $46.67 million a year with 155 million guaranteed. Are you kidding me? I mean, I mean, and, and then all this rhetoric about, well, you know, re-signing Kyler is the only option. Well, first of all, you're not re-signing him. You've got three more years of control. I mean, this isn't a do or die situation. And the, the argument would be, Oh, well, then he'll hold out and not play. Well, what good does that do for Kyler? He loses a year. Um, he continues to be, I mean, if you've looked at the national reaction to Kyler's antics this offseason, how many guys are standing up going, boy, Kyler's really right to do 
his image has taken a hit and I'll, and it's gone this far. I mean, the minute he scrubbed his social medias, the world was telling me, oh, it's just things that 24 year old kids do. <laughs> I'm saying not with the history that the Cardinals have of Peterson and Jones scrubbing their, their, their um, social media of all things Cardinals. How did that turn out? You know? So, I mean, to not make that connection, I mean, Murray was privy to both of those scrubbings, so he knew better than anyone. But at the time, here's what I said, was that, you know, the timing of that in February during these key weeks of, like, um, leading up to the Super Bowl, was that combined with the ransom note? Like, you know, in other words, the only way I'm playing for the Cardinals ever again is if they pay me a huge bag was that to get it out there that, hey, man, neon sign, come and get me. Um, you know, I'm not really happy with my situation in Arizona. I've scrubbed my socials. You know, hey, Jerry Jones, <laughs> I've never lost in your building. Um, hey, you know, New Orleans Saints, you know, hey, whoever who's going to come in and do what, you know, the Cardinals did with DeAndre Hopkins and come in and rip up the old contract because the guaranteed money was gone and give him pay him, make him one of the highest paid players in the game. Uh, you know, he looked to me like Murray was just saying, you know, Hey, I'm could be available here. I mean, cause it was so early in the off. I mean, it wasn't even the off season, you know, it was like February. Right. So why do it then? Well, you knew with the draft coming up, that there could be draft picks. It give, give, gave him ample opportunity to make it known that, hey, let's, you know, anyone who's interested, um, come calling. Well, you know, this week, Mike Florio and uh, Chris Sims, um, you know, uh, corroborated the exact same thing that I was thinking about when Kyler did that. Um where they said that, you know, they've, they've now kind of come to the conclusion all along that this was, you know, these antics early on were a, a effort of Kyler's to, um, you know, uh, stir up possible interest, trade interest. And that, according to them, um, Kyler didn't get the kind of reaction he was hoping for, neither did the, um, neither did, did the agent, Burkhart. Um, and that that's when Kyler sort of came crawling back to the Cardinals and put his, you know, okay, well, now I can still get the bag from the Cardinals and, you know, I can get my bag there. You know, so imagine for a second if that's true. And I think they're, you know, if you go back to his last game with the Cardinals, um, how that end with him refusing to go back in the game. I mean, you also had in that game him sitting on the bench away from the whole team that was down praying for Buda Baker. That is a look of, you know, it's just egregious. I mean, people are saying, well, Colt McCoy was with him. I think Colt McCoy was assigned to be wherever was Kyler's mentor. I'm going to give McCoy a mulligan on that because it was Colt McCoy who was adamant with Murray at the end of the game, don't, you don't want to do this. You don't want to, you know, not go out there for the last 
two snaps and they're going to be running plays. And Murray refused. And right then, I think, you know, right then, I think, is a sign that, you know, he's fed up with the Cardinals. Um, some people would say, well, who could blame him? You know, listen, I mean, we've asked Larry Fitzgerald, ask Adrian Wilson, two Cardinals who, who didn't get so down on the Cardinals that they never thought they could get to a Super Bowl. If the Cardinals are ever going to get back to the Super Bowl, you need guys to come in and say, the hell with the past. We're going to push this thing into the present and future. You need tough-minded guys who are not going to look backwards, but look forward and be part of the solution rather than the problem. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I said this at the time when I heard that he, that he sat out for the last two plays and refused to go back in. I said if I were a teammate of him, he'd get an earful for me in the, in the locker room. And I'm going to be willing to say I think it's reasonable to say someone got to him in that locker room and made, made a point to him that I think even further alienated him, possibly alienated and pissed him off. I mean, I've been hearing all offseason, but look at all the players talking up Kyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. And nobody denies Kyler's, you know, extraordinary talents. But what are the knocks on Kyler? His durability, right? So we're going to talk about that in a minute. All right. So is that entirely Kyler's fault? No, it's not. But it's a it's a it's a fact. Also, troubling aspects of his leadership um, have been in question. I just mentioned a couple of examples, but there have been other examples. And, you know, for a young player, you can't, you know, trying to find his way. You can give him some slack on that, you know, and. and but to only to a certain degree, not to where he's refusing to go back in the game. I mean, look what happened to Antonio Brown when he refused to go back in the game this past season. I mean, you know, it's not an analogous situation necessarily, but it's a situation where coaches know and players know this is not a good look. This is not a good thing. And, um, you know, this is something that has to be dealt with and dealt with very strictly. Um, you know, it's a communication issue too. So you have communication issues. You've got to get, get things right. But, um, and that's not the way to go about it, um, for sure. But so with Tyler in, in those situations, I mean, here now, you know, we're hearing contracts talks are going smoothly and that, you know, this and that, I mean, what's really astonishing to me is, you know, this is the David treatment deluxe again is that i'm not really sure that kyler wants to be in arizona i think given an alternative he'd probably bail if there were a live golf term you know a nfl live team that would pay him 50 million dollars a year i bet he'd go and people would say <laughs> so you know, the jets so the jets yeah. is what you're talking about if the jets are willing to give up 250 million dollars and three first round picks he would probably take that in a New York minute. I have, it's really hard not to imagine that he would. Um, I mean that, you know, this was kind of, the other thing is, is that why is Kyler acting this desperate? It's not only to push 
push the envelope in Arizona and potentially pave his way his way out. But it's also because of his like obsessive um, fear of getting hurt. I mean, it's just it shows up in his play, um, and particularly after post injury um, in these seasons. I mean, it becomes a tangible thing that you can actually see on the football field. And anytime you you see that, you have to, you know, um, be concerned because, you know, other teams feed off of that, you know, uh, feed off of that. They make highlight reels of players looking scared. Um, you know, they did it of Patrick Peterson. Like, here's how why we can run right on the Cardinals all day long. They, they key up a, you know, queue up a, a film of, of clips of, you know, Patrick Peterson getting pushed easily out of bounds by a five foot nine wide receiver um, on a sweep play to his side. You know, um, this is so competitive a league that this is, um, you know, this is what teams do to, to get an advantage, or, um, particularly in preparing for a player who's as dynamic as Kyler is. I mean, and there's no question about his dynamic skills. Um, and, um, but there, there are probably really good reasons why in a year where teams were eager and willing and excited to trade for quarterbacks, Tyler didn't get, you know, anything. Uh, uh, on that note, Walter, I wanted to ask you since you brought it up. Do you know anything about Kyler Murray's dad? Yes, Kevin. Uh, so yeah. for people listening, his dad is Kevin Murray, and Kevin Murray is, I think, still the winningest quarterback ever at Texas A and M. Yeah, and, and was a four or five star prospect. And if you hear his dad talk, he talks all the time about how important it is to like protect the golden ticket with with Kyler, right? Because uh, Kyler Murray's dad, his NFL career got derailed because while he was in college, he had chronic ankle injuries, oh. and because of that, winning his quarterback in Texas A and M history ended up going undrafted, and his career ended after about two years of bouncing around on training camp teams. So in the back of Kyler's mind and the back of his dad's mind all the time is like, it's not guaranteed if you don't protect the body that, you know, the future is not guaranteed. So that's very much been the case, even when Kyler was at Texas A&M and, and later at Oklahoma. Right. And, uh, you know, even if Kyler doesn't play another snap of NFL football because the kind of the Cardinals, um, gave him the fifth year option, um, you know, due to injury, he will have made $65 million, um on this contract with the Cardinals, plus all of the, you know, the extra a- advertising. And, you know, he's he's probably pushed up towards $100 million. That's not a bad start for anyone. <laughs> and injury insurance and stuff. It's not too shabby. No, it's not $260 million over six, six years. $280 million, excuse me. Um but here's the thing, is that, and it's a perfect segue, and I'm glad you brought that up, Kyle, because, um, you know, he's, the, the dad talks about golden ticket. Well, you know, I was kind of trying to put together a piece this week. I want to talk about it now, about a, 
a rocking horse named Golden Dancer that um, was talked about in the iconic play Inherit the Wind by Jerome Lawrence and Robert E. Lee about the infamous monkey trial in uh, 1925 in which a science teacher in Tennessee, John Scopes, is accused of blasphemy for teaching his students Darwin's theory of evolution. Scopes' lawyer, Henry Drummond, um, in real life, his name was Clarence Darrow, who was perhaps the most famous attorney in the world at the time, or certainly in the United States, recounts a lesson that he learned on the day he turned eight years old. And it's just, a, I've always been fascinated with this story because it's so true about, you know, so many things in life um, that, you know, the things that, you know, are alluring to us that, you know, um, it's a caveat emptor, buyer beware, cautionary tale, because he says, here's exactly what Henry Drummond said in the, in the, in the um, plays. He said, sometimes I think the law is like a racehorse. Um, or a horse race. Sometimes it seems to go, seems to me I like, I ride like fury, just end up back where I started. Might as well be on a merry-go-round or a rocking horse or on Golden Dancer. That was the name of my first long shot, Golden Dancer. She was the big side window. Um, she was the big side window of the general store in Wakeman, Ohio. I used to stay out on the street and say to myself, if I had Golden Dancer, I'd have everything in the world that I ever wanted. I was seven years old and a very fine judge of rocking horses. He looks off again into the distance. Golden Dancer had a bright red mane, blue eyes, and she was gold all over with purple spots. When the sun hit her stirrups, she was a dazzling sight to see. But she was a week's wages for my father. And so Golden Dancer and I always had a plate glass window between us. But let's see. It wasn't Christmas. Must have been my birthday. I woke up one morning and there was Golden Dancer at the foot of my bed. Ma had skipped on the groceries and my father had worked nights for a month. Man, I jumped into the saddle and started to rock. Only it broke. It split in two. It was all ostentation and no substance. It was, in short, hollow. So the most nagging question for me on the eve of this much-anticipated contract extension for Arizona's Cardinal Kyler Murray has nothing to do with the sheer beauty of Kyler's golden talents. And I agree with his father for calling a golden ticket because Tyler is as gifted a thrower of the football and runner. The combination of his running and throwing is about as good as it gets. But for anyone who understands the art of quarterbacking and winning championships, there's a lot more that goes into that, obviously. And one is staying healthy. But, you know, but for me, the brilliant things that Kyler can do with a football have never been a matter of question. The question that Kyler has to answer is whether the team can ride him to a strong finish. With the best of franchise quarterbacks, they have to. the quarterback has to be the ace starter and the shutdown closer. We have seen Kyler be the ace starter. 
The question is, can he be the reliable, steady, late game and season closer? Kyler was arguably the best football closer ever at Allen High School in Allen, Texas. Amazingly, after transferring from Texas A&M to Oklahoma, Kyler only started for one full season of college football. That still, to me, is absolutely, with his talent, how did he screw that one up? Now, there are reasons. Texas A&M was a shit show at the time. I, I don't blame him for transferring, but he wound up at a school where too bad he didn't go play for Cliff. Well, actually, I guess Mahomes was there then. But too bad he didn't go to go play where he could play a couple of years um, and not just have to wait behind Baker Mayfield, which to this day I find astonishing, too, is how you can have Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray in the same quarterback room and think that Baker Mayfield's the better quarterback is astonishing to me. But, um, you know, in terms of sheer talent, you know, Baker had the experience in the system and everything, and Baker did an awesome job. Nothing to take away from when he won the Heisman. Yeah, how crazy is that? Is that Baker Mayfield had maybe the greatest single season in the history of college football and wasn't even the best quarterback in his own quarterback room. Well, yeah, and for NFL, but but also, you know, I mean, here's the thing that you don't know. It's the same thing that I've always asked. People say it was a great thing that the Chiefs, you know, gave Patrick Mahomes a red shirt year. And I keep saying, was it? They were I agree one with and, you on this. One and done in the playoffs. I mean, by that time of the season, maybe Mahomes does a Joe Burrow. And takes that Chiefs, that was a talented Chiefs team. Maybe he gets them, you know, deep into the playoffs and maybe even to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I'm never of the fan of sitting out is a good thing. But, um, and the same thing for Kyler. I mean, sitting out that whole year behind, a couple years by, behind Baker Mayfield couldn't have been great. But to Kyler's credit, you know, Kyler succeeded Mayfield as the winner of the Heisman Trophy. Closed out the regular season. With a big time revenge, thirty nine to twenty seven win over the University of Texas in the Big Twelve Championship game. That was on a December first, so he's got that in his, you know, in his bonnet before trying to wage a huge comeback from a 21 to nothing deficit in a forty five to thirty four loss to number one ranked Alabama in the two thousand eighteen Orange Bowl in a game where Tyler Kyler struggled early against that you know, um, daunting Alabama defense. But to Kyler's credit, and this is what sold me on him, was the way he fought back in that second half um, and made adjustments and balled out. He left it all on the field. And, he said, you know, that's all I needed to see from him. And at that point, he was so adept at making people miss him, injuries weren't really a factor. But, you know, here's... Here are Kyler Murray's records by month in the NFL. In September, he's five, four, and one. In October, he's ten and four. In November, he's one and five. In December, he's two and six. And now in January, he's one and two. I mean, you look at those numbers, and it, like I said, I mean, he's been brilliant as a starter, um, as an ace starter, but as a closer, he's had his struggles. Now, it's not all on Kyler. I'm not saying that. But it's part. When your quarterback's playing well, your defense tends to play well. I mean, look at when Colt McCoy was winning at San Francisco and Seattle. The defense played really well those days. 
I mean, he, you know, when you, I'm not, and I'm not saying Colt McCoy is a more talented quarterback. No, but I'm, what I'm saying is that he was playing well. We deserve to give him credit for that and two huge wins, helping the Cardinals sweep the NFC West on the road. When have we ever done that? I mean, unbelievable. It was just awesome. Um, you know, but when your quarterback's steady and playing well, the defense can feed off of it. Um, and they do often do. So, you know, what how your quarterback does. Now, here's the thing, too, is that um, you know, what was concerning about the Cardinals three and eight record down the stretch the past two seasons is that the Cardinals were favored to win in eight of those 11 games and only won two costing them a playoff berth in 2020 and an NFC West title in 2021. So this is how close they came. Um, Now this past week on ESPN live each day, the hosts entertained the question of, what fans can expect over the next week or two about a Kyler Murray contract extension. Former NFL GM and executive vice president, Mike Tannenbaum, uh, formerly of the Jets and Dolphins, whose chief job was to negotiate player contracts, had this to say about Kyler's contract situation. Quote, Arizona is dealing from a position of strength. They can wait this year and next year and franchise tag him the following year. Kyler is a good quarterback, worth re-signing, but he is not a great quarterback. He hasn't improved in his three seasons. I don't see him in the mold of a Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, or Tom Brady in the Tom Brady class of the NFC. However, when you consider the alternatives, he's certainly better than the current ones out there, which is why he's worth keeping at the right price in Arizona. And I was breaking down Tannenbaum's statement. My reactions to it were, were the my reactions were these. One, yes, the Cardinals are in a position of strength, given that they control Kyler's rights for the next three seasons. And um, you know, and I think it's great that they are, and they could, you know, history has told them when they rip up player contracts after three years of a rookie deal. <laughs> You know, their winning percentage on that is not even 50%. I mean, Booter Baker's the one exception that I can think of. But Matthew, no. Johnson, no. Yes, at this point, it seems fair to call Kyler a good, but not yet great quarterback. I think that's very fair. Um, Here's where I had a disagreement. I mean, Kyler has made improvements overall each season, as have the Cardinals. But I think what Tannenbaum was referring to was Kyler's play late in the season, um, which has it's he's not shown significant improvements there, um, and that's where you would think that you'd want to know he can do that first before you throw huge the kind of money that Kyle Odegaard was talking about and PFF's talking about. And then, yes, Kyler is vastly better than the current alternatives. But at this point in the offseason, it's moot. Could there be attractive alternatives down the road? Of course there could. I mean, the 2023 NFL draft portends to be the deepest and most talented class of quarterbacks to come out in years. I mean, you know, um, are the Cardinals that close now, roster-wise, to winning a Super Bowl? I mean, is it now or never? Uh, I don't know. 
this offseason would indicate that a priority was, you know, attaining um, compensatory draft picks. Um, you know, it seemed to be a, a high priority. It seemed like the Cardinals are looking further down the road to, you know, try to uh, build their roster through the draft. I mean, they're not signing very many um, outside free agents. They're keeping their core guys and, you know, it's been quite a shift. So Tyler is worth keeping because he's under team control for the next three years. We keep forgetting that. Of course he's worth keeping. We want to know. I, I'm fascinated to know how he, if Kyler holds up for a whole season and does his thing, oh, my God, give him the contract. I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board with that. We just got to know he can do it is my point. And take away the golden dancer question. Um, you know, if, if he's someone we can ride into the playoffs and, you know, and, uh, and, and deep into the playoffs and particularly, you know, knock on Super Bowls, oh, my God, yes. Pay him, you know, pay him the contract. And But if they're going to extend him, I think Tannenbaum's right. It's got to be at the right price which would mean that Kyler and his agent would have to agree to an extension that would spread the reasonable, a reasonable amount of guaranteed money over the length of the contract so that it's not paid all out right away so it runs out early and that it, you're protecting yourself in trade scenarios um, because then the other team would assume that, you know, if it's not put in a signing bonus. And that the contract is supplemented, you know, in this case, if it would have to be now, I would think it would be a contract supplemented by a host of playing time and performance incentives, both personal and team related. I mean, that I could get fully on board up, you know, like, okay, you know, part of the prove it deal is, you know, here you get X amount for games played, for games won, for playoff appearances, for um, Pro Bowls for MVPs, um, you know, huge money for a Super Bowl appearance. But, um, you know, so, but the red carpet, rolling out the red carpet for Kyler, I'm wondering what the repercussions going to be for that, um, not only in the short term, but in the long term. I mean, there are repercussions here that really need to be considered, I think. Um, you know, one is Michael Bidwell caving in after this whole, you know, drama off-season, um, you know, and realizing that here was a guy that, you know, would just as soon have been traded in, like Pat P or Chandler Jones back in February, and now, you know, you've got, you know, the, the gesture of, well, I got, and we're getting you Hollywood Brown, we're, we're going to make this so good for you, Kyler, we're going to pay you, you know, like, it almost feels like a bribe um, if he does that. Um, and, you know, it would certainly be an act of blind faith, given that Kyler has yet to show he can hold up, both physically and mentally, after the month of October where he has a 4-13 and 13 record combined. And then for a player who made this offseason all about his contract and his 
with his agent going public with their contract demands in February, a couple of weeks after what was Kyler's absolute worst game as a pro, not only in terms of his poor play, but in terms of his poor sense of decorum. Were the Cardinals were the Cardinals to cave in and give Kyler and his agent what they want, should empower Kyler to do keep doing whatever he wants without any fear of reprisal. I mean, now he has his bag, so who cares? I mean, we hope that wouldn't happen, but you know, it happened with Tyran Matthew, um, who you wouldn't even think would happen to. So it certainly could happen to Kyler. And then, um, you know, the the other part of this is when players have been given too much too soon, you know, having to live up to not only the pressures of being a rookie and taking a, a, a team into the playoffs and playing in one of the toughest divisions in football, if not the toughest, and holding up and physically and mentally and doing his part. But then there comes the pressure of holding up to the pressures of living up to a being paid as one of the top five QBs in the NFL. I mean, this is where, again, if you put him up on a pedestal, chances are he's going to fall short. Um, You know, because right now, is he a top five quarterback in the NFL? The answer clearly right now is no. So you're going to pay him like one. You would expect him to grow into that. But what if he doesn't? I mean, there's pressure that comes with being paid that kind of money, particularly when it takes so much out of the salary cap. Now, well, for a uh, here's years, the other part to that, too. I will say, like, one part that was left out there is, like, next year, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert will get their extensions, and then Lamar will get their extensions, and they'll be larger than Kyler Murray's. So all of a sudden, Kyler's now the eighth-highest-paid quarterback in the NFL instead of the fifth-highest-paid. See, and, and I've, then, argued, I've argued with that. I don't think Burrow and Herbert will take that kind of money. I think they they genuinely want to win rings, and I think they'll do something team-friendly. I don't think it'll be ridiculously team-friendly, but I think it'll be enough to make the gesture. They strike me as those kind of players. The other thing is with Lamar, that whole situation is so bizarre. I don't even know. I mean, I don't want to digress and just go into Lamar's situations talk about that at another time I'd like to, but... Um, I'm really convinced that there's going to be pushback on these con- contracts because of the salary cap ramifications and because, you know, I think the Watson deal is, you know, has created such outrage um, by the owners that the owners, are, I think, are very united right now in trying to, you know, uh, make sure these these contracts for quarterbacks gets, you know, um, settled out. So it's not suddenly you that have is to collusion. Pay. So they are colluding, which is illegal. But I, I like well, the idea of that. <laughs> right. I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, well, you know, there's yes an unwritten, no, yeah. you know, there's an unwritten, I mean, <laughs> I didn't find it totally ironic. You know, or, or, you know, that in the executives, the owners and executives recently voted on the top 10 quarterbacks of the NFL. And neither Lamar or Tyler was on it. 
No, right. that, so, that, yeah, no. And I think that that was a message like, God, please, if you're going to pay them like you're playing, paying Watson or, or you know, Josh Allen or, or Aaron Rodgers, this thing's going to get out, so out of control. And I'm glad you with, noticed that, too. I'm glad you noticed. It's like, huh, why are the two guys who are coming up on contract extensions yeah. not listed in the top ten? I wonder no why that's mention, the case. Right. They were in the honorable mentions, however. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, when Lamar and, Jackson is a reigning MVP three years ago, and correct, it's, it's incredible. Well, <laughs> here's the other thing. I mean, here's the other thing. Now, you know, I want to see Kyler do it, and I want to see, but you know, traditionally, running quarterbacks have not held up well in this league. We know that. All right. Now, Kyler is Teddy. That's why he wants to cut back on running or whatever, you know. And like his dad, you know, protect the golden ticket. Um, yes, yes, indeed, yes. But, you know, I mean, could it be another RG3 situation with Kyler? I mean, it was he's just not meant, he's just not physically. I mean, it's interesting you said his dad had ankle injuries because that's what our, Kyler's having, his ankle injuries. And part of that is, you know, having to cut so severely to avoid contact in the NFL. I mean, the pressure he's putting on his ankles is enormous. And, um, you know, I, it's funny with Kyler, too, is that, I mean, he's, I mean, he can run like a jackrabbit. But otherwise, on the football field, he walks around like a penguin. I mean, it's weird. I mean, it always looks like he's saving himself to, to kind of, you know, just like for, and it was, I'm just wondering whether, you know, all that saving himself, and I'm just wondering whether, you know, the only way I think that he could hold up a whole season would be to be on a Larry Fitzgerald type regimen, training regimen, um, as much as not only the weightlifting, but doing the cardio and the, um, and the running to get himself because mentally that's how players hold up is if they know that they've put in the work. Um, and I don't know what Tyler does, you know, for training for his feet, but it, it would worry me if he thinks I shouldn't put too much, you know, strain on my feet. I should probably take it easy. Um, I would think with him, you'd probably want to do the opposite is be the most conditioned player on the field. Because then mentally, um, you know, he would be much better um, prepared to to uh, to endure. I mean, you you know, you're in better shape. So, I mean, it was interesting the last couple of years to see him get chased down on on scramblings that I thought a typical Kyler certainly at Oklahoma, and you know would would break away and score on um, and. Part of that is what breaks down is mentally, like, you know, you know, if mentally you're the fast guy in the field, you're going to score. If mentally you're, like, not feeling it, you're not. You're going to get get uh, dragged down. Now, Kyler never ran. We never got official time on him. But we, I have a tape of him running Andy as a, you know, challenging Andy Isabella to a 40-yard dash, and it's neck and neck, and Isabella was a 4-3-1. So I think Kyler's run somewhere in that area, and that's that's fast enough to be able when you've got a, 
daylight, you be able to close that out. And, um, you know, but I, I think it would take him getting in the most tip top shape. I think he's, he's capable of doing that. I just don't know if he's disciplined enough to do that. Or, if, you know, and sometimes I get the impression from him when he says things like, well, I can see things before they happen. And he has sort of a cocky attitude about, you know, his abilities. Um, you know, I just wonder where his head is sometimes with that, whether he just takes too many things for granted or not. I hope not. But, and here's the final thing I want to say about it is that, um, you know, as, you know, it's already been reported and, you know, I mean, Fitz has gotten on the scene and talked up Kyler's talent, um, which has been great. Um, and, and rightfully so. Everything Fitz said about him is absolutely correct. And, you know, but, but, um, if this contract extension is just a cave-in and it's, you know, heavily favored towards Kyler getting what he wanted to begin with and given to a player that, you know, three months ago would just as soon leave, um, if that, and it seemed pretty clear, at least to me, and it does to others, that that was the case, or he was certainly risking that. You don't back your organization in, into a corner. I mean, that makes me wonder how much he respects the organization. It makes me wonder, too, how much he respects Cliff Kingsbury, um, which I've always wondered about. I mean, if you watch him, you know, when Cliff talks to him, uh, drives me nuts. I have always, you know, coaching my players. When coaches talk to you, you look them in the eyes, and you you converse. You look interested. Um, Kyler has an abstracted, far away look, and he's not very responding, responsive. I don't know what they're talking about, but it doesn't look to me like there's an eye to eye relationship there put it that way both literally and figuratively and it wouldn't surprise me you go back to kevin you know his dad maybe his dad's still the only person he really listens to or respects i don't know but i i feel a general lack of respect from kyler about the organization um and perhaps from the you know his own head coach um which you know can happen when you know, you know, your head coach is just so enamored with your talents and with an organization that has, you know, they've rolled out the red carpet for them. You know, if that's players can get jaded and you know, after three years, is Kyler Murray jaded? I don't know, but he acts like it at times, it seems to me. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen over the next week. I do know that whatever happens, I'm hoping and praying it's for the best. I mean, I think the instinct for me is to have him play another year to prove, uh, to prove, to earn that contract that he wants is the best scenario for both the Cardinals and for Kyler. You, know, you, you can test a man's true character when you ask him to do things he doesn't necessarily want to do under circumstances he doesn't 
doesn't necessarily want to want to do them in. Um, that's when you really know um, you can judge character. And for him to, you know, I mean, he's got thirty-five million in, in guaranteed money coming his way as injury insurance. He could also take out a Lloyd's of London contract, um, insurance contract. Um, if he wanted to supplement it with that, I mean, it's not like he's playing on no money, guaranteed money. He's got more guaranteed money coming to him than anyone on the team. Um, so, you know, it's his situation is not dire, um, when it comes to injury, but, uh, I think it would be great for him to earn this. And I think then you, we've got a quarterback that we know can close things out and we know is deserving because before then, I mean, if you're just paying for, um, for someone who gets out of the gates for a quarterback who's good early, but then struggles late because of injuries and whatever else. Wow. Um, you know, that's tough. It's tough to pay him on a par with, I mean, when does Tom Brady miss games? I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, how does he get away with that? Um, he, he also played, we learned in the Super Bowl win with the Bucks that whole season with an MCL tear um, injury. Um, you know, some of these guys are just nails. And, uh, you know, um, when you look at, at the, the quarterbacks who are the closers in this league, I mean, look at the way Matthew Stafford closed out this season um, in the clutch. Uh, he was not that in Detroit necessarily, but he didn't have the system either in Detroit, the personnel. Um, but look at him now. Um, and, of course, you know, there's numerous other examples. But I'm hoping for the best for the Cardinals and for Kyler Murray. And... Um, you know, I also would love to see the Cardinals keep their options open because of this draft class coming up. Oh, my God. I mean, I hate to think of it this way, but because of the Cardinals' daunting schedule and if things don't go right and the tenor of this offseason has not been generated the kind of buzz that we've seen from Cardinals, you know, in the year before, if this all goes south and the Cardinals are sitting there with a, with a top-five draft pick, and, you know, if you've looked at the quarterbacks who are at the top of those lists, oh, my God, um, there's some really intriguing um, uh, talent there. And here's the thing that's been nagging at me and all along is that I think Cliff Kingsbury can win with a variety of quarterbacks. Um, and I think that actually – there probably are quarterbacks out there who are better suited to run his system than Kyler um, in certain ways. I mean, no one's better than improvising on the run. The things you can't coach within a system necessarily. And so let's put that to rest. And that more than makes up for some of the things that Kyler doesn't do well in, in close system. But at the same time, you know, you need more than just, um, physical talents to win in the NFL. And you need durability and you need leadership. And that's, if we can see those two things from Kyler and improvements there, 
and I'm all for uh, paying him what he deserves. Um, and I hope he'd be team friendly whenever he does it, because anyone who wants to win Super Bowls would, I think, try to make that gesture. Well, so that's it for today. Um, and, uh, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts, as always, on Twitter at WBJ Mitch or uh, at revengeofthebirds.com. Um, I know everyone's sick and tired of the Kyler drama, but there are layers to this that's like peeling off an onion that uh, I keep grappling with. And I imagine some of you do too. And I've never been uh, comfortable kind of betting on something that I haven't seen yet um, happen. And, um, and I, I don't know if some of you, I have to admire you for your blind faith, but, um, but, you know, we'll see. Um, I, if, if he gets that big contract, I'll just leave you with this. I hope, all my fears and inhibitions are 100% wrong and that Kyler lives up to all of it and then he leads us to the Cardinals to places we haven't seen before. That would be my number one hope and desire. These There are times when you don't want to be right. This is one of them for me, if this is the case. But I'm hoping that cooler heads will prevail and that we'll get another season to, to take a look at you know whether... Tyler can be a top five quarterback in this league and hold up and close, close out a season. So that's where I'm going to finish that. I'm really not going to argue this anymore. I promise you. And, um, you know, uh, wishing for the best. So in the interim, uh, thank you for joining us and may the red rain shower down on you into the red, red sea, red rain. <laughs>